Welcome to today's edition of the Blazing Grace Show with Jason Graves and Mike Janung. Blazing Grace covers blazing issues with grace-filled answers. Here are your hosts, Jason and Mike. Welcome back to the Blazing Grace Show. This is Jason Graves along with my good buddy, Mike Janung. Hello, Michael. Hey, Jason. Here we are back in the saddle again. Once again. It's like Tonto and the Lone Ranger. <laughs> Which one's Tonto? Uh, yeah, good question. Good question, Tom. Well, let us, let us introduce you to our guest for today. Because, I mean, if are you a pastor out there listening today? This show is for you. We've got Tom Pedigo on with us. He has written The Restoration Manual. It's a workbook for restoring fallen ministry leaders and religious leaders. Praise the Lord. Tom, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's neat to be here. Absolutely. Well, I know you've got a lot of experience in uh, doing radio shows and sharing your story all over the world. So we're blessed to have you and mm-hmm. want to hear a little bit about your story and how you might be able to relate with our listeners who are coming from all sorts of backgrounds, uh, but all interested in recovery from sexual addiction. So what would you care to have them know about your story? Well, believe it or not, I am still Reverend Tom Pettigo, but I am a former pastor in recovery from sexual addiction. I'm still ordained, mm-hmm. and I want the people to know that um, even a Christian and a minister of the gospel can be ensnared by lust and pornography. In um, 1977, I graduated from seminary and was ordained. And I use this following ministry verse, if I can share it. It uh, came from Jeremiah 20, verse 9. The reason I want to share it is it has an ironic twist to it. Jeremiah 20, verse 9, my ordination verse, Jeremiah says, But if I say I will not remember him or speak any more in his name, then in my heart it becomes like a burning fire shut up in my bones, Mm. and I'm weary of holding it in, and I cannot endure it. Mm. And the reason this verse is so ironic is because not only does it describe my heart for the Lord— it also describes my battle with lust. Mm-hmm. And this sounds. This is going to sound like blasphemy to some, but let me paraphrase what I was going through even when I was ordained in 1977. Okay. Here's a paraphrase from a sexual addict. But if I say I will not remember the porn or think any more about lusting, then in my heart it becomes like a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I'm weary of holding it in, and I cannot endure it. That's my whole life right there of um, dueling natures, my new nature and my old nature, my God side and my sin side, my love for the Lord, and yet ironically, my love for lust. And um, as a former minister, I know I heard a lot of ministers use the same anecdote about the good dog and the bad dog warring within a person, and they're always fighting. The winner whether it's a good dog or bad dog, depends on which dog you feed the most. Right. And unfortunately, throughout my life, I was feeding the bad dog. And the bad dog was winning out. And and the irony of that Jeremiah verse is I was growing weary. I was tired of that secret part of my life. I was just exhausted mentally, emotionally, physically, maritally, especially spiritually. And um, so I entered the ministry at a young age. I was only about 20 when I entered the the pastorate with this heavy burden. And uh, you all have to understand, I was a fire-breathing Baptist minister, Uh which was a contradiction because I was also 
on fire with lust, Hmm. and I was plagued with unclean thoughts, runaway fantasies, and I eventually crossed uh, professional boundaries. I acted out, and I had multiple affairs. I resigned from my pastorate in 1992, Hmm. and as the Jeremiah verse ends, I couldn't endure it anymore, Hmm. and I left the ministry. So I was exposed as a hypocrite, and I've been in recovery since then, working on the unhealthy burning fire shut up in my bones. Right. And I guess my story today is I know many pastors, because since I have written this manual, I have dealt with literally thousands of ministers who are ensnared by pornography, right. lust, acting out in some way, maybe with prostitutes, having affairs, and they need intervention and they need help. Right. right. <clears throat> you know, right after... The situation with Ted Haggard came out. The new head of the uh, National Evangelical Association came out and made a statement that what happened with Ted Haggard is an anomaly, Oh, meaning it's very, very rare. Mm-hmm. Tom, would you say that that's the truth? No, uh, because unfortunately, my workbook has been selling quite well. And I say unfortunately because I get at least three to five ministers a week and those are those um, either congregations or elder boards, deacon boards, or denominational leaders that have contacted me because the minister has been exposed, has bitten the bullet uh, because of sexual sin and needs help. So this is just those that contact me. Uh, sometimes focus on the family. Their pastoral division refers ministers to me as well uh, for this process of restoration and healing. But I can say without a doubt, it is not an anomaly. There are many ministers that are being exposed and have yet to be exposed. And we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg. Mm -hmm. Because I don't think a lot of ministers are honest, nor do they want to be honest. If they're Mm -hmm. honest, they will lose their pastorate. Yeah. That's scary. It's it's, it's scary. It's their job. It's their livelihood. And I might add there, that might be all they know. Right. I know... When I was in college, I, st- I was studying to be a Spanish teacher, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but, I, but um, I was also on Campus Crusade for Christ and was on their uh, speak teams, and I just felt the Lord leading me to preach and teach. So that I entered into the pastorate, but going to seminary and then being in the ministry for over 20 years, that's all I really knew how to do. Mm-hmm. That's what I was trained to do. So when a minister is thinking that he's going to lose his livelihood, his vocation, what else is he going to do? Right. You know, he has to really think, what am I going to do with my life? How am I going to earn money? Um, and that probably keeps a lot of ministers um, from coming clean, clean and sharing the problems they're going through. Sadly. But I can tell you, doing counseling with people all over the phone or all over the world through the phone um, and many of those, because of the high-profile position they're in as a pastor, needing to do something like phone counseling, I, I have had several guys that either left the ministry because of their conviction around their sin or mm-hmm. who were asked to leave that have gone on to other jobs and are doing just fine. Right. And I myself, having been in the ministry and because of my own sexual problems and issues, having to step down from that, uh, you know, here I'm doing just great. You know what I mean? I'm, I don't look, you know, like skin and bones or anything like that, right? I mean, can God use those things oh, in our absolutely, life? Absolutely, absolutely. Right. Right. 
And uh, while I stayed out of the pastorate, I'm still out of the pastorate since 92, um, I did take secular jobs for several years, but then the Lord opened up an opportunity for me. I'm the state director with the American Family Association. And one of their primary objectives is to restrain uh, pornography and enforce local obscenity statutes. I thought since this is one of my traps and ensnare, what better way can I still serve the Lord, be in full-time ministry, and, and yet fight the enemy that uh, brought me down? Amen. How, yeah. does, how does the perception among Christians that the pastor is this golden boy who doesn't sin, who's up on a pedestal, how does that serve to keep a guy in bondage to this stuff? Well, I can't speak for all ministers that might be listening. I'll speak for myself. Um, I believe the headlines. I was the golden boy. I, I in fact, didn't mind being on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of ministers are there. They've, they've believed the story. Um, but especially, we know when you read in First Timothy and in Titus the qualifications for a pastor, that if you're not above reproach, if you're not blameless, if you're not a husband of one wife, and, and I would interpret that if you're cheating on your wife and having adultery, then having adulterous affairs, you're not a one-woman man. You've mm-hmm. violated that. Uh, they know right away that if they're exposed into that or confess that, what are you going to do? You're going to have to step down. You're going to have to be disciplined. You're going to have to leave the ministry. And yet I see the Church of Christ in the United States suffering because more ministers aren't transparent mm-hmm. and they're living on this uh, pedestal image. Mm-hmm. And I do not know how to get around that. Right. It's I a no win. I remember the Chuck Swindoll in their staff meetings. He would ask all of the staff around the room the same question. He would say, "How are you doing with lust?" And then he would say, "Did you just lie to me?" Mm-hmm. Wouldn't doing something like that make a big difference? No, no. Because if you're, <laughs> I tell you what, I was in an accountability group while I was sinning myself. If you're ensnared, if you're um, addicted to lust, and by the way, in my restoration manual, I have a whole page dealing with Christians that say, well, I don't like uh, the psychobabble terms. I don't like to use the word addiction, or right. I don't like a obsessive compulsion. I want to stay biblical. I have a whole page that says, you know, you're arguing with words right now, right. because the Apostle Paul talks about being oppressed. Yeah. He talks about being ensnared. Yeah. It, they, the Bible uses all the same language, and basically it means Addicted. <laughs> yeah, so, absolutely. Absolutely. Let's just boil it down. It's, it's, it's a pattern more, of sin, isn't it? It is a pattern. And isn't it maybe a form of denial to be caught up in these semantics, perhaps? It, yes, it is. Yeah, very very good, Jason. Yeah. It is a, a form of denial and uh, rationalization. And maybe even and, some magical thinking to say, well, if I just focus on this from a biblical point of view or a scriptural or a spiritual point of view, that that's all it's going to take. When Scripture mm-hmm. itself says in First Thessalonians five twenty three, be sanctified body, mind, and, and spirit. spirit. So if we just take a unimodal approach to a three pronged problem, we're really missing out on sixty six percent of it, aren't we? Absolutely. Okay. And to get back to what Mike said, for me personally, because I was so caught up in lust and uh, acting out behavior mm-hmm. that I lied. Mm-hmm. And I figured, hey, I'm already committing adultery. Mm-hmm. I'm already looking at porn. Uh, God's already probably going to smack me down, kill me, or discipline me. So why not just lie? So right. if somebody said, and have you lusted? No. Right. 
And that was just pure addictive denial and lying. Yeah. But, and I mean, hmm. wouldn't you say, Tom, that, I mean, if you're a pastor and if you're out there fearing this discipline and the, the consequences that are before you, aren't you really kind of exchanging God's love for your own love? And in basically saying, I'm going to take care of my own love needs. I know what's best for me because God disciplines those who he loves. So basically, when we open ourselves up to and submit ourselves to his discipline, aren't we receiving love from him? Yes, but, and there's a big but here, uh-huh. this is why I'm actively involved in Blazing Grace uh, Ministries with Mike, because I was in a pattern of deep sin for at least three and a half years of my pastorate where I was having multiple affairs. And I began questioning that verse in Hebrews because I said, God, you must not love me because you're not disciplining me. Hmm. You're letting me get by with this heinous sin that's not only continuing but getting deeper. Oh. If you really love me, spank me. Mm-hmm. And and here, But here's the mistake the most addicts make. They put it on God, say, you stopped me. Right. Stop exactly. me. Well, you know what? Since that time, not only did he stop me, but he spanked me so hard that my my spiritual behind got black and blue. Yeah. <laughs> But Satan used that, and then I said, well, maybe God loves me because he disciplined me, but now I was feeling so much guilt right. and shame that I couldn't receive his His grace and see that as love. Right. And, and Blazing Grace Ministries reconnected my heart with, no, God still loves you. You need to receive that grace and that forgiveness and move forward. Right. Right. Amen. I wish more pastors would do that because here's my situation, Tom, and maybe you can give me some advice here. I get a lot of calls from pastors saying, Jason, you know, we found you on the web or Jason, we heard you on the radio or we, you know, saw you at the, at the, uh, every man's battle conference. And we'd like for you to come speak at our church and guess what percentage of those actually come to fruition. Zero to one percent. Yeah, I believe that. Okay. Yes. Now, a help us understand what that's about, but mm-hmm. but b help me encourage me. Like, is there a way to to change this? Because see, I care about that pastor, mm-hmm. but I also care about his people, and I want them to be able to have the message. And isn't it a, a pastor who's not willing to follow through on something, or not even willing to call in the first place, kind of standing in the way of healing for for his flock? To answer those questions, a I really don't know. Mm-hmm. B I really, really don't know. <laughs> and C, yes, ministers do stop the process. Um, but if I was going to give a reflection on that as a former minister myself, it would be that for some reason, and it might be biblical or a biblical understanding, Christians see sexual sin more as the unpardonable sin than any other sin. Right. So if you bring a church together saying we're going to have a uh, uh, a conference on purity or or something to do with sexuality, you won't have people there because that's an admission. Right. Who wants to admit that they're struggling with lust because people will look at you as maybe a dirty old man or a pervert or, or something worse? Do you know what? I have found that ministers who are struggling with alcoholism— have a better chance to still be able to stay in the church and maybe take a sabbatical and work on that. If they have a gambling problem or maybe even uh, absconded some funds, mm-hmm. uh, oh, we'll, we'll keep the pastor and keep him in position there, and we'll just work with him on that. Uh, maybe he's taken over-the-counter drugs and has an oxycodone problem or, or, or a drug problem. They're willing to work on that. 
But if a minister admits to sexual problem, death nail, sentence, mm, yeah. it's all over. So I'm curious, if you were still a pastor today, knowing that what you know, that 50 to 60% of men are struggling with this stuff, what would you do? What would your approach be to your congregation? I would like to think I would be honest, but that might be just a cover-up and lie. I don't, I don't mean with your struggles. I mean with how would you deal with it in the congregation? Yeah. Well, that's how I deal with it in the congregation. I'd say, look, if I'm a minister and I'm struggling with this, I know that many of you are struggling with it too. Mm-hmm. And for those of you to sit there and say, well, then it must be the pastor that has the problem and not me. Mm-hmm. You're a hypocrite and a liar. Mm-hmm. So next week we're going to have a conference on purity and and uh, and how to get your sexuality in line. Mm-hmm. And if a lot of you don't come, I'm going to start calling your names out from the pulpit. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, listen, if you're just tuning in, this is uh, Jason Graves and Mike Janung with The Blazing Grace Show. And we're blessed to have Tom Pedigo on with us today. He's the director of the American Family Association of Colorado. Uh, he's also written the Restoration Manual, a workbook for restoring, restoring fallen ministers and religious leaders. And if you'd like a copy, you can actually go and Google Restoration Manual. Uh, if you'd like to get a hold of Tom, you can do that by email at AFA of CO, that's AFA of Colorado, at yahoo.com. Or you can call him at 719-532-9719. So, Tom, uh, you know, we've got a lot of uh, ministers in our listenership. We've got a lot of um, folks who are clients who are in the ministry. We even did a show a while back on uh, sexual addiction and uh, worship pastors. Mm-hmm. And So mm-hmm. I'm just curious if you can kind of just speak directly to their hearts as a person who has come from a place of struggling in the while in the pulpit to where they're at, because you know mm-hmm. exactly where that is and what they need to hear right mm-hmm. now. What would you say to them? I would say I wish you could find somebody to talk to um, on the phone. If you don't want to do something in your community, even if it's a, a 12-step group that's supposed to be anonymous, because, you know, even... Even myself, when I was in a 12-step group, I had a couple of my parishioners come in there, mm-hmm. you know, and they said, well, it's not quite that anonymous. Mm-hmm. But if you're struggling, find somebody to talk to, a telephone counselor like Jason, or get involved in a Internet um, website like Mike Janung's Blazing Grace, mm-hmm. because there's no way you're going to break this habit or pattern unless you can have accountability and somebody to talk to face to face. If you try to do it yourself as a lone ranger, you won't. I got hundreds of books on sexual addiction. It didn't help. I was afraid to meet one on one with other people, which I desperately needed. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I'm just saying, get in contact with somebody, even if you're anonymous. You know, call the pastoral division at Focus on the Family. Mm-hmm. Uh, get in touch with Blazing Grace. Um, mm-hmm. Call a telephone counselor like Jason. Just share and get it into the light mm-hmm. where it's going to eat you up. And instead of the Lord burning in your bones, you're going to have lust continue to burn in your bones. Mm. What does the restoration process look like? It's so difficult. I want to say to you ministers right now, you need to, you need to come clean and, and try to nip this in the bud before you get to the point of being dismissed. Because... Right. It hurts your congregation. It, the congregation is in shock and denial and unbelief. And, 
And there's so much grieving going on because, unfortunately, they have looked to you as the man of God and have had you on the pedestal. It absolutely tears the heart of your wife out. If I was to say one thing I regret more than anything else is in my restoration process, they didn't include my wife. Mm-hmm. It's taken my wife 15 years, and she's still wrestling with hurt and issues because nobody has professionally dealt with her, no accountability group. Right. So, so minister, it's going to tear your wife apart. Uh, if you have kids, it's going to hurt them. If you have in-laws, it's going to hurt them. But it's not getting into recovery that hurts them. It's the fact that you did it that hurts them. So don't let that be a reason not to get into recovery. The fact that you did it and then are exposed, and that is the hurt process. Recovery is the healing process, but yet it it still hurts too. To me, it was like lancing a boil. And yeah, all that junk finally comes out. But man, the lance does hurt initially. Mm -hmm. So in the restoration, initially, you need to get a group of men, peers, that believe that you can be restored mm-hmm. um, mind, uh, mentally, ment- uh, uh, maritally, spiritually, emotionally. Unfortunately, the last thing on the list, and I know this is going to scare a lot of ministers that are listening, the last thing on your agenda should be how quick or how long before I can get back into the pastorate. Amen. The vocational part of it is the last thing you should consider. Right mm-hmm. now, you're healing spiritually and sexually, and maritally, mm-hmm. is the first thing on your agenda. God's going to take care of the vocation. Amen. So. Amen. That's for sure. He will. And like we were talking earlier, there's been plenty of pastors, Mike, who have had to go through this process. Some that we know personally. And, you know, they're doing fine. The bottom line is that God wants us to be obedient. And, you know, I, I'm hearing you say these things. And as a former mm-hmm. pastor... I'm anticipating the words that sound something like this. Well, Tom, you know, my sin isn't as bad as Joe Sixpack down the road. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I'm a pastor. I should be able to take care of this on my own. What do you say to that? I couldn't say the word right now on radio that I'd like to say. <laughs> <laughs> but it deals with bovine waste. <laughs> right, right. Um, <laughs> I I just I can't, and you know what I get that all the time yeah. and now, now keep that in mind because as an aging baby boomer I know my mind's going to drift so bring me back to that okay I've had ministers of especially large or growing churches just recently I had a guy in California the elder board called he'd committed committed multiple affairs mm-hmm. into pornography and they said we don't want to let him go we want to work with him while he still ministers and preaches from the pulpit mm-hmm. because we love him. He's built this church up from 10 to 2, 3,000, 4,000. I say, do you want God to really bless your church? Mm-hmm. Have him step down and get him into recovery. But this is becoming a pattern, even with the elder board, the deacon board, and even some denominational leaders, they want to keep this guy in the pulpit while he's in blatant sin. Mm, This to me shows where the body of Christ is right now. We'd rather have the, the, uh, the man, the, the, the charismatic personality, the guy that's causing the growth and be blessed by God. Well, and isn't that kind of selfish? And we just have a minute here, but bottom line is just a a small minute. But I mean, bottom line is that it's understandable being in that position and you've hired this guy. You don't want to have to go out and hire somebody else. 
you don't want to have your your church suffer. But the bottom line is your church already is suffering. And if this right. person was in, if your pastor was in an auto accident, surely you would give him some leave. Well, he's just been through a similarly life-altering yes. experience. Listen, recovery is a lifestyle change. And, and for the minister real quick that says, well, my sin isn't as bad. You right. might not be visiting prostitutes. You might not be having an affair, but maybe you're ensnared to pornography on the Internet. But you mm-hmm. say, well, well, I don't I'm not ensnared to it. But now and then I look at pornography. You still have a problem. You yeah. still have yeah. a problem. Right. right. Exactly. Good point. Let's right. not leave out the pastor's wife. What, do you, what would you say pastor's to the pastor's wife? wife? In oh, about 10 seconds. Okay, pastor's wife, please find an accountability group. Get some godly women who will nurture you. Get in a group that will minister to your heart as well. Find counseling for the both you and your husband because it's threefold. Your husband, you and your husband, and the church. Find counseling and help for the wife. Amen. All right. Tom Pettigo, American Family Association of Colorado, author of the Restoration Manual. Thanks for tuning in. Tune in next time when we talk to Melissa Fryer from Folks on the Family's Love One Out. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of The Blazing Grace Show. We trust today's broadcast helps bring you closer to God and to what God desires for your life. Blazing Grace is a listener-supported mission intended to help listeners around the world. Your support is vital in keeping that mission alive. We ask you to prayerfully consider sending a tax-deductible gift to Blazing Grace. It would be gratefully appreciated. You can send your monetary gift to Blazing Grace, P.O. Box 625. Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80962-2521. That's Blazing Grace, P.O. Box 62521, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80962-2521. Want to learn more about Blazing Grace? Find us on the internet at www.blazinggrace.org. That's www.blazinggrace.org forward slash radio htm on that page you'll find a downloadable copy of this show or you can visit oneplace.com under ministries look for blazing grace radio if you want help resolving a sexual addiction you can reach jason graves toll free by dialing 877-590-SOUL that's 877-590-7685 in addition to jason graves counseling mike janung has a book out mike janung's book the road to grace finding true freedom from the bondage of sexual addiction is available at www.roadtograce.com. The book guides those who struggle with sexual addiction to a place of finding the abundant life of Christ. There are also sections for wives and recovery for marriage. Desire for a specific subject to be covered on Blazing Grace? Tell Mike Janung what you want covered. You can email Mike at Mike, the symbol at blazinggrace.org. We look forward to sharing more blazing issues and grace-filled answers next time. Thanks once again for listening, and may God shine his grace upon you.